When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. For Panther fans who want to keep pounding. For the ones who want an inside look at the vault. This is, this, this, this is is from Midstream. Now, here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome in to the Monday morning edition of the Views from Ministry podcast. Glad to have you, Rob Brown and Lonzo Reitzel with you on a, uh, well, it's a beautiful Monday morning. And as long as you're not talking about football, the Panthers get absolutely rocked by the Cincinnati Bengals 42-21 in a game that wasn't particularly that close. A 35-0 deficit at halftime, the largest halftime deficit ever faced by any Panthers team any year of the franchise ever. Ever? It was not. You mean ever like like and forever? I mean like ever, 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 ever. Forever, like, ever. Do you mean like always? Forever, ever. Okay. Largest That's- halftime deficit in the history of the franchise, 35 nothing. Uh and, and look, it, it's it's kind of one of those things that the game's over. I'm like, ah, tomorrow's podcast is gonna suck. And it does. I mean, it's not fun to get blown out. It's not fun to be down 35 nothing at halftime. It's not fun to come back after a game like this. Uh, but that is part of the reason I have told you guys all year long, uh, you know, kind of relax the expectations a little bit. Of course, you still want to win football games. Of course, you still want to be competitive. But since the loss to Atlanta, uh, this season is no longer about this season. Right. I mean, maybe it is for a guy like Steve Wilkes, but this season's not about this season anymore. This season now is about setting us up for the future. This season is now about looking forward. And so we're going to take a look at some of the little things that we have to look forward to. And obviously, the very first thing we have to look forward to, we had a switch at quarterback and it was completely expected. P.J. Walker, three of ten, nine yards, two interceptions. So wait, 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 wait. Three of ten. That means... Two of the three passes he threw went to the other team. That means 20% of his attempts were intercepted. 20% of the passes that P.J. Walker threw got picked off. 30% of them were completed for a grand total of nine yards, and the other five hit the turf. It's uh, It was not good. Now, let's talk about that for a minute because I know there were, you know, I was, for instance, cruising uh, the NFL subreddit. And I got a lot of folks that were talking and just the general discourse of things 
why is P.J. Walker starting the game, right? A lot of Panthers fans were like, why are we going back to the well with this guy? The answer is the dude gave you a couple of respectable performances. He outdueled Tom Brady. Uh, He went to Atlanta, and we did not lose to Atlanta because of P.J. Walker. The guy was the hot hand, but... He was playing above his roof. He was playing above the best you could expect from P.J. Walker. And P.J. Walker finally lost the cool hand. At some point, even the hottest hands are going to die off, and P.J.'s did. You made the switch. You go to Baker. Baker comes in. It takes him a minute to knock the ring rust off, but then he settles in. Then he gets comfortable, and Baker Mayfield ends the game 14 of 20 for a buck 55 and two touchdowns to show. And, of course, you ended up with 21 points in the second half. We actually outscored Cincinnati 21-7 in the second half. The problem was ain't nobody in the NFL overcoming a 35-point halftime deficit. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, we asked the question, though, two weeks ago. P.J. Walker shows up after Matt Rule gets let go. He has a bit of a resurgence. Would it be possible to see Baker Mayfield do the same thing. And if we are looking at it, Baker Mayfield, 14 of 20, we double his numbers up. He's looking at a day where he goes 28 of 40 for 310 yards and four touchdowns. I'd say you're in good shape, right? Now, by the time that he really got in and started uh, his time under center, at that point, the game was all but decided. But Cincinnati had pulled off a little bit. I'm not sitting here saying that this is Baker Mayfield hitting a spot where, oh, Bake's back. This is the guy we traded for. We're in good hands now. But he certainly looked better than he did when Matt Rule was at the helm, and I'm willing to give Baker a second chance. Frankly, not that it matters. All right. <clears throat> let me let me clear my throat. Let me do this. We haven't got to do this for, for like weeks now. Baker! Felt good. Felt good. It felt really good. And, and here's here's the thing, though. If he would have been starting from the beginning when he came back from injury, would the Panthers have won some games? I'm not so sure that they wouldn't have won. I think they might have been able to do that. Baker, you 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 wanted you threw some caveats out there. Yeah, but you know they were like pulling some guys and things like that. That has nothing to do with what the problem was with Baker before. It was an accuracy problem when he was out there. Uh, he was making some poor throws. He was throwing to the same place all the time. And that may have been the fact that they weren't running the ball. Not that they ran the ball a lot yesterday. But uh, I, I think the fact that the offense has opened up a little bit more, he's been able to sit back and, and watch uh, P.J. Walker do what he's doing and been helping him the entire time, which is really cool, something he didn't have to do. He's right there helping him the entire time P.J. was in there. There's a reason why Baker was picked number was the number one pick. I, I mean, he's pretty good, and I think he's being um, I don't know want to want to say too harshly judged because his inaccuracies were his inaccuracies. But you got a better shot of winning if that's what you want to do with Baker in there than you do PJ Walker. We pointed out many times PJ four string quarterback for a reason. 
P.J. Walker against Atlanta went 19 of 36, 317 yards, a touch and a pick. And that touchdown, obviously, the D.J. Moore big time hole that was as much of a sling and a play by D.J. as it was anybody else. It was absolutely the throw, catch and play of the year for Carolina and will be in contention but for play of the year for any luck, team. There was luck involved in that. It was a shot to some degree. I mean, it still takes accuracy to get that ball where D.J. was able to lay out and get to it. Uh, but. At the end of the day, I'm not saying I, there. Let me rephrase that. There's no sense in looking back and going, well, would we have won Atlanta if Baker's in there? You won Atlanta because Deontay Foreman ran 26 times for 118 yards. You lost to Cincinnati in part because Deontay Foreman ran seven times for 23 yards, right? We've established that we are a team that if we are going to win, wins one of two directions. We win by running the football and we run by having a stout defense that really frustrates other teams. Well, Joey B went 22 of 28 for 206 and a touch. Joe Mixon ran for 153 yards and four touchdowns on the day. At the end of the day, what we would have done had Baker been in place of PJ the last two weeks is irrelevant defensively, we got our rear ends handed on, to us by hold Cincinnati. On, hold on, hold on. I thought the defense, and of course Rob and I both have said this, was the strong point of of the Panthers team. The heck happened yesterday? It was, I, I mean, is this more about um, Joe Burrow having a, a really good game? Or is this a, a matter of the Panthers having a bad game? Is it a combination of both? I mean, Burrow's a good quarterback. He went to the Super Bowl last year. He's won a national championship in college. He's no slouch. But this defense has been playing up against fairly good teams and doing really well. This was a smackdown, and it was completely shocking. This was, you know, we talked about this on the show today. This was last year a point in time for the Bengals, where they kind of hit their stride a little bit. And and yes, we are looking for silver linings. We're looking for the positive here on the show, which is frankly kind of tough to do. Last year at this time, uh, the Cleveland Browns beat the Cincinnati Bengals 41 to 16. All right. An absolute demo job. Then what happened? The week after that, the Bengals came out and slapped around the Raiders. The week after that, the Bengals came out and slapped around the Steelers. They got beat by a very good Chargers team the week after that. They lost to a very good 49ers team in overtime the week after that. Then they beat a good Broncos team, a good Ravens team, and a good Chiefs team before they punched their ticket to the playoff. And the last game of the year didn't matter, so they laid it down against the Cleveland Browns. The numbers for the for the Cincinnati Bengals skyrocketed, oof, took off after around the midway point of the season. So, yes, this is a case of the Bengals, despite a 5-4 and four record, are still a pretty good team. The one thing I'm disappointed in, ultimately, is that the defense was up against one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the National Football League this year and did very little of that. I think we had two sacks in this game. That's not enough. It's not enough against an offensive line who gives up four to six a game on average. Uh, on the second part, you know, it's it's one thing to look and go, we got a real good pass defense. We got a great set of defensive backs who are starting to get together uh, and get healthy, right? J.C. Horn had himself a decent day on the year uh, or on the day. 
But let's not forget that Joe Burrow's an exceptional quarterback. You held him to 206 yards, right? The end of the day, 206 and one touch to Joey B. Ain't a bad day through the air. What's disappointing is the 241 rushing yards that you surrendered. You lost the National Football League. If you can't stop the run, nothing else matters, right? Joey B would love to have a game where he's only got to throw the ball 15 times because you rack up 250 yards. Well, that's basically what happened to this one. We reverted back to the Carolina Panthers that we were three or four weeks ago and let them just run all over us. Joe Mixon, 22 carries, a buck 53, four touchdowns. He averaged seven yards every time he touched the football. Joe Mixon put himself in pro bowl contention and took us out of optimism with the way that he treated us. And again, the sad thing is this is a, I had genuinely convinced myself on Friday and Saturday that this Cincinnati team, a team that was four and four coming into this game against a two and six Panther squad. I had convinced ourselves that our strengths matched up really well with their weaknesses, enough to shock some people, enough to keep us within the spread. Well, the strengths are rushing 64 total yards on the day, and our defense, 42 points surrendered, including 35 in the first half, failed us miserably, and we looked like jokes on the NFL scoreboard yesterday. Yeah, you talked about last time this happened. Last time this happened when they didn't look motivated and they didn't look like they wanted to play, they didn't look like they wanted to win, uh, a firing took place. I wonder if this would have the same effect. Uh, Steve Wilkes is the interim head coach. There is no let's fire from him, but there are firings being made, and the Panthers are having a busy day today. We now know that there are coaching changes that have come down the pipe at this point immediately after that loss. Cornerbacks coach Evan Cooper is out. Defensive line coach Paul Pascaloni is out as well. Now, the cornerbacks coach getting fired uh, is kind of interesting right now, right? Because up until this game, cornerback hasn't really been a problem. We are stronger at safety than we are at cornerback, no doubt about that. But between J.C. and Dante Jackson, C.J. Henderson has had a couple of big-time spots. Keith Taylor Jr. has been okay. I'm not entirely sure why that was the move. To to the point, though, that it almost kind of feels like this was a, we got to do something, right? Like, yeah. we got to placate people. We got to do something here. And, and here's what you do. If you got to do something, you get rid of Matt Rule guys, which is what he did. You got I mean, everybody's of, a Matt Rule guy, yeah, right? Yeah, That's but, kind of I the mean, point. You, you get rid of a couple more Matt Rule guys, and, and you can kind of chalk it up as, I mean, because that's what most people are, a lot of people are mentioning on the firings today on the national media that he got rid of a couple of Matt Rule guys. Uh, that way you can blame it on Matt Rule and not on yourself. Sure. It's still remnants of the Rule regime, and uh, we're going to weed that out and uh, you know, and do better. Look, the chemistry here is, is very interesting because everybody on that staff is a Matt Rule guy for the most part, right? Steve Wilkes included. They're all Matt Rule guys. This was a staff assembled under and by Matt Rule. Everybody's a Rule guy. And the interesting part here, and this is this is why I'm, I'm kind of like trying to roll this around in my head a little bit, is that if Steve Wilkes doesn't get a job, whoever the next head coach is is replacing just about everybody, right? Like they're bringing in their own dudes into that spot. So you would think guys are 
coaching for and effectively playing for their lives right now. But Steve Wilkes, on the other hand, who is a Matt Rule guy by definition, uh, even if he's not OOU Matt Rule guy, Steve Wilkes is coaching for his job as the head coach and really his job with the Panthers. There, Some guys are going to get left on board, right? New coach is going to come in and go, there's nobody that can upgrade above who's already here. And I think Steve Wilkes might be one of those cats. But as far as getting a head coaching position, the dude is coaching for his life. And right now he needs to do whatever he needs to do to get a little inspiration. I was doing a job about three weeks ago uh, where I was brought in to kind of act as like a, a consultant for a a sports gig within the Greenville, South Carolina community. And I had a guy who was a manager and he came up to me and he's like, Hey, I, I got a question. He's like, what do like, what do I need to do to get more out of people? He's like, when you're here and you're down here and you're talking to these folks, like there's a little bit more, why aren't they giving that to me all the time? And my answer was because you're too much of a buddy, right? You're too, you're everybody's friend. You're taking them out for beers. You're taking them out for pizza. Everybody's having a good time. And there's nothing wrong with that. I want a manager who, who wants to be on good terms with everybody. I said, but there's no stakes, right? There's no stakes involved. There's no, there's no pressure to do the job. If, if the, if you guys have a bad night and then the, the, the gig's over, they all know when they get up to the office, there's going to be pizza and beer like there is every other night, right? Even if they fail, there's going to be pizza and beer. And there's, I've never heard you chew anybody out. I've never heard anybody go, I don't want to upset this dude. I don't want to upset the manager. Steve Wilkes, I think right now is trying to course correct that, right? Like it's been for a while that, you know, oh, you know where it is, what it is. We're in a bad spot. Steve Wilkes right now is going to walk into his coaching office today and go, anybody else not going to bring it every game. You can go to the unemployment line too. Because I am coaching for my life right now. I'm coaching to get this job and stay in the ranks. And if you don't want to be here, that's fine. I'll go ahead and get you out of here. We'll get you a nice little uh, termination package, you know, get you a couple of days of vacation, and you can find another gig. Steve Wilkes is just trying to lay the law down. The unfortunate part for Steve Wilkes, maybe not everybody else that likes the silver and blue, but the unfortunate part, uh, unfortunate part for Steve Wilkes here is that it's kind of too little too late. We are full tank mode now. There is no coming back from this. And certainly after this loss, the only question is now, what's the next direction this team takes?